The planet is heating up. The oceans are becoming filled with plastic. Change starts now. Change starts now. We're on a countdown. To zero waste. Five, four, three, two, one. This is the Zero Waste Countdown Podcast. Here's your host, Laura Nash. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Zero Waste Countdown podcast and radio show. On this episode, we are playing part two of The Green Mum from Toronto. Her conversation with me was too good to cut anything out, so I made this into two episodes. If you're wondering why I do such a thing, it's because now that the ZWC is a radio show, we have an on-air time slot of 30 minutes, and since Mira Jane and I talked for nearly an hour that day during a brutal ice storm in both our cities, I wanted to include it all. You also may have noticed that I no longer include the section at the end of each episode that begins with this week on my countdown to zero waste, and there's a reason for that. I found it took me about a year to get to a comfortable level of zero waste, and I hit that level back in the fall of 2018. I went so far down the road of ethical consumption that I was eating mostly vegan meals for a few weeks in the summer and just not producing any trash at all. So we were growing most of our fruit and veg in our own gardens and just not really bringing any garbage into the house. So I produced one bag of trash in my home over a period of eight months. So I figured this was pretty good and there isn't really anything I can reasonably cut out further. So I'm pretty happy to get my trash production down and it works out to be about a bag and a half per year of trash uh, for me and my son. So my trash bag mostly had things like broken glass, bubble envelopes that were kind of annoyingly sent to my house and a couple furnace filters and air filters from my home and some bones that I used for soup. So I'm currently keeping soup bones that have already been made into broth in my freezer and when the ground thaws in the spring I tend to bury them. I just have to make sure that my pet wolf doesn't dig them up because cooking bones can make them brittle and splinter easily so they're not good for animals to eat and I don't want to have any wildlife eat them either. We have a lot of wildlife around where I live like coyotes and fishers and raccoons and skunks and all sorts of things. So if you're vegan, you don't have to deal with any of this, which is awesome. Or if you live in a city with curbside food scrap collection, you can put meat and dairy products right in there. But if you're doing home composting like I am, you do have to worry about animals getting these things. So I'm still working on that part. But my son, I think I've mentioned this before, is First Nations, and I don't think it's right to change his ancestral diet. So he still eats meat although we go to exceptional lengths to make sure the meat we buy is ethically and sustainably raised. So if you are wondering why I've split up a couple episodes, it's because we have the 30-minute radio time slot now. The show airs on 91X in the Bay of Quinney area, which is super awesome. And if you were wondering why I wasn't saying what I was doing in my life to reach zero waste, it's because I've come like so close that I'm just not really removing things from my life all the time, although I still am working on a few things. For example, I think I can get a reusable washable furnace filter, so I'm kind of looking into some of those things. So without further ado, here's my conversation. We're going to jump right back in the middle where we left off last time with Mira Jane, the green mum from Toronto. 
when you walk around Toronto, you see that they have their different garbage cans for different things. So that's good. Mm-hmm. They have the TerraCycle cigarette butt recycling program. So yeah, you see right those. in Dundas Square. Yeah, I've seen those around. So that's really good. So I do think Toronto is aware and trying and stuff like that. So that's that's really good. Do, how do you find Toronto in terms of being like zero waste? Like, is it easy? Is it is it challenging? Well, it's, a, it's an ice storm outside today, Laura. And sometimes my husband and I look at each other and we say, oh, we should just live somewhere warmer. <laughs> and the other day I said to him, you know what? I don't want to live somewhere warmer because there's no city I'd rather live in than Toronto for living this lifestyle. Maybe it's because I figured it out or maybe because it's above and beyond. But I think... You know, things like the fact that we have curbside pickup for compost, which isn't necessarily that odd in a Canadian city, but I definitely know it's it's odd for cities overseas. A lot of people who want to compost have to start their own heap or have to have a vermiculture farm or whatever. So, you know, having that. And then, you know, they have some really interesting goals that I'm privy to because I've probably ticked the right box on the right email. So they're starting a low-waste council where they're asking people from different sectors to come and and it's a voluntary position, but it's really just to inform the city of Toronto on, you know, in this sector, here are some needs and, and here are some needs and here are some suggestions and everything. They also have a goal, I think, at least in the next 50 years to become um, a circular city, which is, um, you know, a city where products are only brought in with the end thought in mind. So, you know, really not not disposing because, you know, we can do as much as we can on an individual level, but until corporations and government back us up, we're all going to struggle. You know, even some of the things you mentioned, twist ties and fruit stickers and mm-hmm. those things add up. And, you know, can we as a city find a solution to some of these problems? They're also signed up to be one of the first um, cities to trial the Loop Store. Have you heard of the Loop Store? No. So the Loop Store is this new, I guess, innovation. So um, the most recent example I've heard of is Hobby Doss is on board. So what they're going to do is instead of packaging their ice cream in these little, I don't know, plasticky type containers that you just throw out when they're done, they're going to package them in aluminum containers. Mm-hmm. And uh, then what happens with the loop store is you buy the ice cream, for example, and you take it home, you consume it. And when you're done, you put the container in a bag and then people from the loop store will come and pick up the bag, let's say on a weekly basis. And then they reuse the materials for the, the produce and for the consumables again. Mm-hmm. So this whole idea that just because we're done with something doesn't mean we have to throw it out. Like if we design things properly, if we design a system that works, you know, everything can be reusable. And so that's what the loop store is all about. And they're they're um, starting out in New York and um, Paris. Those, those are their two trial spots. But Toronto is going to be one of those spots as well coming up. Okay. So I'm already signed up, ready to give them a shot. But, oh, good uh, for you. Yeah. Yeah. And then on top of that, there's just a lot of resources. There's a lot of people interested in Toronto about this movement. But, you know, uh, there are tons of different bulk stores, chain and non-chain stores. There's, you know, lots of places that are dedicated to providing uh, low-waste solutions. Karma Co-op, for example. Um, there's two stores out in the East End that are kind of more focused on green beauty called Green and Frugal and Eco and Amore. And there are two zero-waste markets opening up. Uh, one called Bear Market by my dear friend Dana Stein and another one called Unboxed Market where people will be able to buy groceries and daily things without having to worry about them being wrapped in plastic and, or how they're sourced. That's awesome. That's excellent to hear. Good, 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 good things. Yeah. 
Yeah, yeah, great things. And, you know, just because we're a bigger society, we're able to do those kinds of things. I and mean, I know that location can be a big uh, problem. Accessibility can be a big problem for people. So that's why I feel very fortunate to be here. Good, good. Um, is that so the ice cream program with Hagen does? Is that the one that we've been seeing all over the news lately? Yeah, yeah. Cool. I, I, I don't know if it's just Haagen-Dazs in general, but I know that it's part of the loop store. So the loop store component of picking up the container, sanitizing it, and refilling it is really important, too. Exactly. I do that with my milk now, too. So I, I tried for a year to find a different replacement for a milk, and mm-hmm. uh, we just use dairy because we, we live next to dairy farms, basically. So oh, it makes, that's so fortunate. Yeah, it makes sense. And there's an organic dairy there, so the cows go outside. They're treated really well. And we get them in the glass bottle and then I just mm-hmm. return them and they get, you know, sanitized, washed and filled up again. They, yeah, why not? The lids are not recyclable because they're too small to be recycled. So mm-hmm. I actually just put those in the zero waste kitchen yeah. bin and we don't use very much milk at all. So yeah. it is it is a solution. So it's like bringing back the milkman, right? And, you know, ice I cream. Know, I actually looked up in Toronto. Is there a milkman service? Mm-hmm. But there isn't. <laughs> oh, I'm surprised that there isn't. Well, I guess because you're I mean, just so far from a dairy like from from cows. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, <laughs> we we do have glass bottles available as well. Good. Yeah, I've seen them, them in different places around Canada. So yeah, I find them a little bit cost prohibitive, but I think once my youngest daughter stops, I mean, she still gets like a sippy cup of milk at night. But once it stops being like such a daily thing in our house, like my husband and I hardly drink any milk, then I think it could be a little bit more cost effective. Yeah. So the it's about seven dollars a liter here mm-hmm. so that is it is very expensive but well, then for, or, for organic milk that's not oh yeah that's so expensive yeah it's still <laughs> pretty expensive but you get the two dollars back when you bring the bottle back so two dollar deposit's mm-hmm. a pretty big one so then you're looking at more like five dollars mm-hmm. a liter mm-hmm. and if you're american and you don't want to google it it's it's like four cups of milk is five dollars canadian mm-hmm. which would be what three dollars american <laughs> so yeah I don't know if that's expensive for America, but uh, we actually stopped eating ice cream at my house. So it'd be really nice if we could eat ice cream again because I, I I found out about polysorbate 80. I didn't know what it was, but I was finding it in like shampoo and face wash. So okay. I thought, okay, I don't want to give this to like my three-year-old because I don't really know what it is. So mm-hmm. then I found that Haagen-Dazs and what is that other one? Ben and Jerry's. So like mm-hmm. those two expensive kinds of ice cream, they don't have all that weird like preservative stuff in it. Oh. But those containers have to go in the garbage. So right. I kind of went have on this. Have you ever made your own ice cream? So we went on a river trip in Oregon last summer and we did. We put cream in a ball with some sugar yeah. and some yeah. fruit and then gave yeah. it to the kids and the kids kicked it down the hill and like threw it around for 20 minutes. <laughs> <laughs> and it was delicious. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We actually, um, we posted in an ice cream maker, which sounds ridiculous, but Again, we love our ice cream. That's awesome. Yeah. And and what is that thing? The soda stream? So I'm not too big on soda. Like I make kombucha Mm -hmm. if I ever need that kick, which is really easy. Uh, I'm surprised at how easy it is. And yeah, I mean, I think the soda stream is great for people who really want pop. Like if that's your thing, you know. So there are these machines that can help you reduce waste. and Yeah. And like the soda stream is plastic. But I think if you're going to reuse it over and over and over again, Mm-hmm. I mean, think about just how much plastic you're saving by doing that. So, Yeah. And there's another one that I saw in New York. My friend has one and it's a 
Grohl, maybe? It's a blue chill and sparkling. So it's this filter that sits under your sink. And then your tap, if you just press a button, it gives you sparkling water. Whoa. Yeah, it's like super awesome and fancy. That's really cool. <laughs> uh, yeah. So, so that's – oh, the only other thing I wanted to say about the compost part. So you're saying like Toronto is really good at that and mm-hmm. I, uh, Canadian cities are too. But this is like a, a huge thing. Like if you want to get greenhouse gases down and do the mm-hmm. right thing, keeping food out of the garbage and out of landfill is, is – mm-hmm is an excellent thing to do. Like if I have an apple core and I'm on via rail or something, I will put mm-hmm. it in a container and yep. take it home. I bring my compost home from restaurants. It's, I'm that creepy lady who like <laughs> takes all the napkins and oh, good. the little lemon wedge because I always bring my own containers to a restaurant. So I always leave an extra one for just my compost and I dump it all at home. Yeah. I mean, it's a oh, huge thing you. to do. Um, and what's really neat, you mentioned the greenhouse gases that, you know, are emitted from landfills. There are some companies dedicated to harnessing those gases and actually turning them into natural gas. I have no idea about that. I know they have to be filtered or like the landfill will blow up. Uh, and I know that they could probably spin turbines, but I didn't know you could convert it to natural yeah, gas. Yeah, Actually, a company I'm working with called uh, Bullfrog Power, they estimate how much energy and electricity, et cetera, you'll use and they'll replace that amount with green energy. And one of the green energies taken from rotten apple cores and eggshells, as you said, and harnessed into green gas. So not to suggest that, you know, keep dumping your stuff in the landfill. We have a huge problem with that, and it's a very significant contributor to climate change. But it is nice to know that there are people trying to solve that problem as well. Well, that's excellent. Like, we all have to be doing what we can do. So we're doing well if we can keep our food out. But we have to understand that there are millions of people putting their food in. And Mm -hmm. so at the same time, simultaneously, we do need to be dealing with that methane because it's there. It's it's already there. It's been, you know, in that dump for the last 50, 100 years. So we do have to deal with that while also stopping it and and doing what we can. So it's really a multifaceted approach. Um, You know, the proactive solution is to compost. The reactive solution is to remove the gas and use it for something productive. Yeah, that's a good way of saying it. Thank you. (laughs) That's better better than what I was saying. (laughs) No. Um, Well, that's so great. So is your focus like zero waste or is your focus like healthy eating or just like everything? Like, are you just like the mom who is super eco, does whatever you can kind of thing? Well, I think what's really interesting is a lot of those things tie together. So a lot of people have mentioned that when you start buying in bulk um, or stop buying in plastic, your access to things like processed food or highly refined sugary foods is limited. Don't get me wrong. I love myself a chocolate-covered almond. <laughs> but you can't buy bags and bags of chips or you can't drink soda, et cetera, et cetera. So mm-hmm. I like to think my focus is low-impact living and low-waste living, trying to just lessen the damage myself and my family is doing to the environment. So for that reason, you know, we are subscribers to Bullfrog Power. I drive a hybrid. Uh, we keep an eye on our temperatures. We keep our uh, water heater low a lot of the suggestions that they give out there. But I'm also extremely aware of the amount of waste I'm creating and recycling and compost that I'm creating. So I I try and live such that I keep that to a minimum. But I think tied to those ideas is the idea of eating healthy and living an active lifestyle. Because if you're not eating healthy, if you're not taking care of your own body, eventually you will be a burden on the environment from, from a medical point of view. You know, if you're a sufferer from cardiac disease or uh, if you have a disease that maybe would have been avoidable 
avoidance if you had been eating better or exercising. You know, we all know how much the how much waste the medical community produces. Yeah, it's insane. And you can't say, hey, can you guys produce less waste? Because it's there to keep you sanitary, right? Like it's plastic gloves, it's plastic needles and, and all this stuff. So it's hard to, you know, ask them to do better. Yeah, my husband is actually in the medical field and it's interesting ch- chatting with him. He's got a really interesting insight into it. So some things are definitely avoidable and they're just, you know, more convenient or, you know, someone hasn't come through and kind of explained that this isn't the way we have to do it. So that's like a, that's an industry issue. But then he also explained to me that there are kinds of viruses that we don't know how they spread. So, you know, at first I said to him, you know, why can't we re-sanitize something like a needle or a scalpel and then use it again? But there are these viruses, these diseases that we don't know how they spread. So when we sanitize, we don't know if we're sanitizing them or not. And so that is the reason why there is a lot of medical waste produced as well. So, you know, it's it's kind of like a, a two-tiered situation and some things we can address and some things we can't right now. Mm-hmm. Yeah. My cousin's a dentist and he says he goes through 80 pairs of gloves a day. Yeah. Well, it sounds like you're really into the Toronto community and doing good things. And I think your kids are going to grow up fantastic and be super oh, what a kind thing to say. eco. And, and isn't that great to raise like a second generation that is kind of woke to all of this stuff? It's such a privilege. And, I'm, and because I'm a teacher, I'm also able to educate in that way. And that's been really rewarding as well. And that's so important too. I feel like you can just pick any issue and just work on it for the rest of your life because there's so many issues, right? <laughs> <I> <laughs> so, know. Things that need to be worked on. So. Yeah. Uh, I think a lot of people that come on the show actually say the same thing that Oh, okay, good. Yeah, that they do everything. Because if you're if you just focus on one thing, like for example, vegans, right? Like that's really hard to do. I tried mm. it and it was I was falling asleep all the time. I don't think I was doing it right. <laughs> but a lot of that stuff comes in plastic. Uh, I know. And then it's almost like you do have to pick a priority, though, because of that. Because if you do this, it's bad for this. But if you do this, it's bad for this. Like, I know I have to drive more so I can go to my bulk stores, but then... Oh, right? Yeah. Like, what? yeah, I'm I'm struggling with that, too, because now when I go to Ottawa, they have a zero-waste store there. So I can go get things like... Yeah, new grocery, right? Yeah, they're That's great. like a dream. They do tofu in bulk. I know. And like vegan cheese, like cashew cheese and all these different alternatives, because I'm like a big cheese person. So it's nice to, you know, have things that you can just take in your own container. But do I take a cab across town and do I bring 10 jars with me on the on the train, right? So- yeah, yeah. I'm sure you've done this, but it's worth a whole episode about zero waste accessibility. Because even me living in Toronto, and I am upbeat about it, but I still have to drive to all those places. Toronto, even to get across the city, can take hours, right? So- oh my gosh, yeah. Depending on what time you go. So I have, what I do is I, I think it's the key is knowing your city. So I know what's around me and I know what's around my work. And between those two things, I can get most stuff done. And then outside of that, I can either order online or I can make like trip every six months to a place mm-hmm. to get what I need. So that's kind of how I've organized that. Well, those bodegas, you know, in New York City were so, they're so important to the community, I find, because you can just walk down the street and get whatever you need. It would be yeah. nice if there were, a zero-waste bodega. Yeah, like kind of – like because I look at these stores, the corner stores. Like when I was little, we would bike to the store and we would get like pop and chips. Like not yeah. good. But that was what we did. And yeah, of course. Or five-cent candies, which used to be one-cent candies. Exactly. Which are now 25-cent candies. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, right? Like that's that's kind of what you did. So like what if those stores – like were revived and had the milk services. So that's where you exchange your milk bottles. 
that's where the local farmers would bring their stuff to sell. Isn't so, that what we used to do? We just need to yeah. go back. We need to keep right some of the lovely parts of the new society, and we just need to go back in time. Otherwise, someone's name on Instagram was something like Nana Reprise, which I thought was really cute. Mm-hmm. Like, and her whole explanation was that I'm just trying to live the way my Nana did because oh, yeah, that's good. actually what zero waste. Yeah. Yeah. We have a lot to learn from them. And I always try and ask older people, like, what did you do before plastic? Did you carry around baskets? Like, did you, how did you keep your cheese? And, you know, oh, it came in wax or, yeah, I'm always trying to get little bits and pieces of information. And we have to act quickly because we've been using plastic for so long, right? Yeah. And it's all still sitting there. That generation that knew how to do things will not exist anymore. So. Yeah, history is so important. It it really, really is. So we don't repeat mm-hmm. the same mistakes. But then also, yeah, they had clues of how to live without all this plastic. There was a post, I don't know if you saw it on Facebook, about the apron. It was like, ode to the apron. <laughs> and it had this like old lady with her apron on. And they yeah. were saying, you know, you used to wipe the tears of your kids with the apron and you used to wipe your hands. And then you used to you go. go out to the apple tree and get some apples and fill up your, your apron oh, and like that. fold so it up. Cute. Yeah, there's like... Totally, that totally appeals to my sensibilities. Things had more than one use. Like, no offense to anyone who has one, but I, I used to have a garlic crusher. And I'm like, why do I have this thing? Like, it's just for crushing garlic. <laughs> you know, so everything I keep in my house now, I try and say, okay, does this have more than one purpose? Because if it doesn't, then I'm getting rid of it. Mm-hmm. I have one. I still use mine. <laughs> okay, if you use it, good for you. And I used to have one, but I just was like, okay, I'm just going to use my knife now. Right. I try not to chop things as much as I I have to because my wrists hurt. I think from doing too many push-ups in the military. <laughs> oh yeah, well, that's an accessibility thing, and that, that's such an interesting point. We have to consider all those things, right? Well, that's what I worry about too. So if you're like an 80 year old woman and you are still walking to the grocery store every day to get your groceries, like that's great, and we want to keep those people doing that. But what okay. if they can't cut up a pineapple? Like pineapples are are not easy to cut no, up really a physical feet. <laughs> Yeah. Like, I mean, they're not as bad as a coconut. My goodness, I won't even get into my experience trying to try to make coconut milk <laughs> from a coconut. But for example, the pineapple. So if, if you have this old lady or someone with a disability or with one arm, you know, then you want them to be able to go to the grocery store and get pineapple that's already cut up. But like, I I, I hate seeing the pineapple already cut up in the, the plastic container because it's unnecessary, but it is yeah. necessary for some people. So then how do we make that inclusive so that those people who need it can have it? Yeah, I you know, if people want to live like that, us, that's fantastic. Like, I try and buy all my produce naked. I, but I think what it is is, you know, you, you've obviously seen that marketplace, CBC marketplace on the grocery store thing. Probably not. I don't I don't subscribe to the TV. Oh, fantastic. Okay, well, go on YouTube and look up CBC marketplace grocery store or something. Okay. And basically, long story short, they ended up comparing a plastic-filled family and a zero-waste family, and they had to switch spots and see what was challenging or whatever. Mm. But anyways, the point is that grocery stores are overridden with plastic. And so I don't want to take away those conveniences to people. I love the idea of pomegranate already shelter me. Like, pomegranate takes me hours. Or <laughs> that's an exaggeration, but certainly minutes. But I don't want to buy it in a plastic cup. I want to buy it in a glass container that someone can wash and reuse or something. So mm. not a, I, would, I don't want to take away, or I guess as a society, we shouldn't focus on taking away these things instead of replacing them in a sustainable manner. Because grandma needs to eat her pineapple. Yeah, right. But that's what restaurants should be for. So when you go to a restaurant, you should have somebody, like you're paying somebody, right, to go mm-hmm. and take that pomegranate apart and then serve you some some pomegranates more so than if they just open, you know, a plastic container or something. Yeah, that's, I hope. And, and I've seen 
the back of restaurants where they just have bag after bag of those bags of lettuce that are already chopped up. I'm like, how long does it take to wash and chop up a bunch of lettuce? And as you said, this is a service I'm paying for. And, uh, you know, another thing that really grinds my gears is that most restaurants don't compost. You know, know. you're going to sit there and offer me a compostable straw or compostable lid. Do you have the facilities to compost them, first of all? And what what good is it if I use a compostable straw that you're just going to throw out anyways? I don't have the I don't have the resources to compost plastic, so you know that to me is a whole element of greenwashing as well. Absolutely, yeah. Because if it's sitting in landfill, it's going to decompose if it's an organic material, and then it's going to create methane. The only th- thing that I see would be slightly better is if in a hundred years the next generations have to like dig up our landfill and deal with it because it's such a mess that maybe they could get rid of that paper straw easier than the plastic straw, but that's like far-fetched. And so, but a paper the- straw I can compost, but you know that, that new bioplastic that's made from like cornstarch and yucca and stuff? Those that, are problematic. Yeah. Well, they have to be, they are compostable, but they have to be sent to a special facility to do that. Mm-hmm. So like even, um, I'm sure you know there's a restaurant called Fresh that's like a vegan restaurant in Toronto and they use a compostable like kind of like an egg carton compostable bottom for your mm-hmm. takeout and then the top is compostable and it's made out of plastic. So when I ordered from there one time I said it's so great that you you guys use fully compostable stuff but unfortunately I cannot compost this in my house. Do you guys have a compost system back there? And she seemed very like flustered. So I'm going to give her the benefit of the doubt and say that she was saying telling me the truth. So she said yes. And I said, okay, great. Can I bring these containers back so that you can compost them? And she goes, no, we would just throw them out. <laughs> so I was like, okay, you're sending me oh. super mixed messages right now. I don't know what you mean. But I was really frustrated. Like, this doesn't help me. I'm like, but great. And you know what? A lot of stuff doesn't compost in the landfill because it's such an anaerobic um, environment. It doesn't get the oxygen it needs. So if you dig up the bottom of a landfill, you will see a newspaper from 1975 there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Tom Zaki has a, a really good book. I can't remember what it's called. It's a blue one. And he says that, yeah, you go, you, some people have went into a landfill and dug it up and there was a newspaper from the 1950s and you could still read it. And yeah. there was a head that's of like lettuce. Preserved. Yeah. Like a head of lettuce is in there. Like yeah. if that stuff's not going away from like 70 years ago, nothing's going away. It's all just sitting mm-hmm. there, right? It, it's the green mom again. If you're on Instagram, you can check out Mira. She's got some great tips and photos and videos Thank and stuff you. like yeah, that. Yeah, it's the green mom. I always like to spell it because mom is M U M, kind of a, the the British way of spelling it. But yeah. I think the major message I'd like to leave everyone with is that I am no one special. I am no one different than you. I have the same hopes and dreams, and the same worries and anxieties, and I was able to make changes in my life. I still have a lot to do, but. I'm certainly on my way there, and I think that anyone can do it. Maybe no one, maybe you don't want to live your life to the extent of, you know, not buying things that are made out of plastic, but everyone can do something. And so, whether that's just watching the documentary Plastic Ocean, checking out someone's Instagram or podcast, um, don't be afraid to try new things in that way. Well, it's a good thing that we're both working. Uh... Yeah. On this stuff. And, and it would be nice if everybody that was working on it, like, could come together in different ways. Cause I find, like, a lot of people are working on their own, which is super great. Um, well, that's but, why it's great that you just totally were into it and just say, yeah, let's collaborate how we can. You know, that you're, yeah, you're walking the walk. <laughs> yeah. Awesome. And so are you. So this is so great. So thank you, Mira. Have okay. a great day. Okay. Thank you. Yeah. Be safe Thanks. if you have to go outside. <laughs> thank you. Yeah. I got to go to work now. <laughs> oh, gosh. Okay. All right. Okay. Take care. Bye. Bye. 
That was Mira Jane from Toronto. She's better known on Instagram as The Green Mum. If you like our show and want to help save the world from all this trash we're consuming, please consider donating to the Zero Waste Countdown. You can become a patron on Podbean, you can find me on Patreon, or you can donate right on the website, zerowastecountdown.com. And if you're interested in seeing a photo of our guests, you can check us out on Instagram. That's zero underscore waste underscore countdown. And if you want to email me, it's laura at zerowastecountdown.com. Thank you for listening, everybody. Thanks to all our listeners in America, Canada, Australia, Germany, the UK, and wherever else you may be tuning in from. Together, we're going to change the world. Change starts now. This is the Zero Waste Countdown Podcast. (laughs) 